0: I bring each of you greetings in the precious name of Jesus this morning. Thank you, Dale, for that devotional. And what a blessing it is to be able to open God's Word, the Word of Truth, and dig into it and apply it to our lives. This morning I would like to continue going through the book of James. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to James chapter 1. And maybe without looking, what is in the beginning of James chapter 1, the last message, I know it was a number of weeks ago, I looked at the beginning part of chapter 1. Anyone remember what James wrote about in the beginning of the chapter? Yes. Thank you, Dawson. And the title of that message was Persevering Through Trials. trials even through difficulties and we looked at how trials can actually strengthen our faith but it really depends on our attitudes towards trials if we draw near to God if we go through the trials with patience with perseverance God can actually strengthen our faith now this message I would like to look at verses 13 through 18 I know it's not many verses hopefully some messages, I'll be able to take more verses than this one. But I decided to stop here and look at what James wrote about in these verses. So James chapter 1, 13 through 18. In these verses, uh, James talked about temptation as an inward enticement to do evil. So the first 12 verses were, King James uses the word temptations, but what James was really talking about is trials. Outward things outward trials or troubles of all kinds. And then 13 through 18, or 13 through 15, really, James talks about temptations as an enticement to do evil and the progression that temptation brings if we yield to it. Harold Martin, in his commentary, and some of what I'm going to share this morning does come from his commentary. He said, There is a testing that builds, talking about the first 12 verses, but also a temptation that destroys. So thinking about this first part of the chapter, there's a testing that builds or strengthens our faith, but also a temptation that destroys. The title of the message this morning is Resisting the Deadly Trap, or a subtitle could be Understanding Temptation. On... Tuesday evening, Matt and Charla watched or babysat our children. It was my wife and I our anniversary. We had went out to eat and to do some shopping. And we when we came back to or we went back to Matt and Charla, as we were talking with them, it was dark. Out in their backyard was this little animal walking around. It was a skunk, and some of you know that I have somewhat of a fascination with skunks, and. Matt and Charlotte don't want this skunk living there. And it appeared that it, was, it would go back between Matt and Charlotte's yard and the neighbor's yard. It would go through the fence. It was a fairly small skunk. I believe it was a young one from the year. So I decided to see how close I can get to it. And I got fairly close before it walked off. Then Wednesday evening, on the way home from church, Matt messaged me. and said, hey, the skunk's back in the yard. They came home from church and it was back there. And I had this desire to try to get this skunk. So I talked to Kyler and Carson about it. I got some gloves. We had a live trap at home, which a lot of, a live trap is like a, a cage trap where an animal can you put bait in there. and The animal walks into it and it traps it. It's like, well, I'll take the trap along. So I took some gloves, a blanket, and a trap. We, when we got there, the skunk wasn't there anymore. We waited a little bit. And then here it was out in the neighbor's yard, and the, their neighbor is uh, has a dog and she lets her dog out different times and she has obviously doesn't want her dog getting sprayed by the skunk so there's people around there that they, they want this skunk removed I was walking around the yard for some time in the neighbor's yard and wasn't coming over so I wasn't going to hang around real late I took gloves along in the event that I could maybe catch it with my hands and then decided I'm just going to we baited the trap so Matt went in he got an egg and I think he got marshmallows and some peanut butter and we put that bait in the trap to try to entice the skunk into the trap. Set it out, and just a little bit later, well, there the skunk is again. It came over, started walking around the trap. I'm like, wow, I might get to, we might get to witness this skunk being caught in the trap. But then it walked around there a little bit and then started going out in the yard again. So I was like, well, I'm going to see how close I can get to it. And I walked out, and here the skunk comes walking out to me. Now, my heart did start pounding a little bit. <laughs> this skunk got to within grabbing distance and like then it would puff itself up I'm like if the thing spins around I don't really stand a chance against it and every time I move my hand a little bit it would puff up <laughs> like I'm not sure if I'm fast enough to grab it and I will warn if, if you children ever have a desire to grab a skunk I did get sprayed a few times by skunks and it's not very pleasant so I wouldn't advise just seeing how close you can get to them anyway I'll condense some of the story but I ended up I didn't quite trust grabbing it, so I got the blanket and got close to it again and just dropped the blanket on top of the skunk thinking, you know, it couldn't spray if the blanket's over top. You know, they, they need to lift their tail to spray. And I went right down on the blanket. My plan was to roll the skunk up and then take it out before it can spray it all. I went down on it and the skunk wasn't there and it ran right out. <laughs> it went running towards me. Went right, running right through the neighbor's fence and it was gone. I'm like, okay. <laughs> It didn't spray, but it got away. I was a little disappointed by that. So we baited the trap I put the blanket over the trap, and we thought we'll see if this gunk comes out again during the night. I plan to come back to that story a little bit later in the message, but I share that story thinking about resisting the deadly trap. This morning we're going to be talking about temptation, and I believe it's safe to say that every person experiences temptation every Christian is in a battle between good and evil flesh and spirit and there is a deadly trap that James tells us to resist and he tells us uh, the progression that it takes us on if we yield so the first point I'd like to look at this morning is the source of temptation The second point is the slope of yielding to temptation. And then thirdly, solutions to escaping temptation. So those three S words, the source, the slope, and solutions. And I want us to resist temptation so that we can fulfill God's calling on our lives. And that second part I would like to look at towards the end of this message. I know it's a pretty, maybe a a vague answer, but really what happens if we continue to yield to temptation, we cannot accomplish what God wants from us. So it is very important that we resist temptation. And before I go into these points, I think it's important that or to clarify something about the source of temptation. And what I what James says very clearly here. Actually, I should read these verses before we go any further. But James talks about not blaming God. God is not responsible for the temptations that we face. I'm going to read these verses at this time. James 1, 13 through 18. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So just a few verses there where James writes about temptations and going back again, don't blame God. So as humans, we are very quick to blame, right? When something goes wrong, we can think we, we, we blame and sometimes maybe it's even easy to think, well, you know, God made me this way and God knows my desires. God's one who gave me this desire. So therefore, it's his fault. James says, no. Temptation does not come from from God. Now, the Bible talks about both temptations and trials. So the way I understand it, God allows trials to come into our life. As in the beginning of the book of James, where trials can strengthen our faith. But God never tempts us to do evil. God does not tempt us with evil. So I have up there, God does not tempt you to Sin. An interesting verse in Genesis 22, and I'll put it up here on the wall, it says, And it came to pass, after these things, that God did tempt Abraham. So there we see the word in King James. Some ver- or translations would use test, and really that word tempt in King James means test. God was testing Abraham to see how much he really loved him. So this was, so God did tempt Abraham. Abraham and said unto him Abraham and he said behold here I am I'm not going to go on reading there but so Abraham was called by God to offer up his son Isaac but God was testing Abraham to see who he loved more did he love his son more than he loved him or would he still obey what he was telling him to do now God we know did not allow Abraham to go and take his son's life but he was giving a test to Abraham. So God does allow tests, but he never tempts us to sin. And I believe also that the trials that come in our life, that God allows in our life, can also lead us to temptation. And I'll we'll expound here or shortly more on that. But trials are difficult. Through the trials, we might be tempted to give up. We might be tempted to throw in the towel. We might be tempted to say, "Well, God, if this is how you're going to treat me, then my Christian life isn't even worth living because I don't want to go through this." So I believe it is possible to be tempted even through our trials, but the temptation to do evil does not come from God. Matthew Henry has said, "It is very bad to sin, but it is much worse when we have done wrong to charge it to God." So I think we need to be very careful when we're going through temptations that we do not charge God or blame God for the temptations that we are facing. So number one, the source of temptation In verse 14, I'd like to hear from you. It says I'm going to ask a question here. It says when every man is tempted, when he is drawn away of what? What does it say? His own lust and enticed. So the temptation comes from within, right? Our own lust. It's not coming from God. It's coming from the flesh or the from within. And I believe the, the enemy is twofold, really. It's the flesh, but then also Satan as well. That Satan works through the desires of our flesh trying to get us to yield to the fleshly desires that we have. So temptation comes from within us, but then it also comes from Satan. Uh, He is the enemy without or outside of us. The word lust or desire that is used here in Greek, the way I understand it, it is Is if I'm saying that right. Meaning, it can mean good or bad desires, the, the word lust. But the way James uses it here, it's clearly as, a, as evil desires or sinful desires. And if we're all honest, I believe we would have to admit that sometimes our fleshly desires are pretty strong, right? The temptation to yield to the flesh. So the enemy is twofold. The flesh with its evil desires is the enemy within. And Paul said, said, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Thinking about the battle that is going on. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you doing, from doing the things you want to do. Again, recognizing the battle that is taking place. When we face temptations, the, the lustful desires that come within us, the flesh against, that, against the spirit, there is that warfare that is going on. And the battle can be very real at times. Thinking about the twofold part, the twofold enemy. So Satan, with his enticements, is the enemy without. Thinking about the two enemies, enemy within, the flesh, enemy without, as Satan. The word enticed refers to the devil who inflames the desires of the flesh. And again, sometimes very real, very strong desires at times. James uses the words drawn away or lures and enticed here in verse 14. When he is drawn away and enticed. Thinking about back to that skunk and trying to trap it. So, the reason there was bait placed in the trap, we placed that, or Matt place the bait in the back of the trap so that the skunk would be drawn away from what he was looking for and enticed, right? That bait was supposed to appeal to the skunk, and the skunk would hopefully walk into the trap. If, for those of you who go fishing, you try to draw the fish away from what it's doing, right? Entice it with bait. We were at Locust Lake a few weeks ago, and the boys were putting worms on their hooks, and the little sunfish, you could see them in the water, they'd come out, and they'd, they'd look for a little bit, and then often just go start biting on the worm. Sometimes they would take the worm and without, without getting caught, and the bare hook was exposed, or maybe just a little part of the worm, and the sunfish, they soon started figuring out, like, there's something wrong here, it's not right, and they were a little wary of the hook. We try to hide the hook when we go fishing so that the the fish doesn't see what is really happening. We lure the fish in. We're hunting. You go out and if you're calling an animal in, grunting to bring a buck in, you're trying to draw the buck away, right? Draw the buck from where he is to bring him closer to you to entice him closer so that you can harvest the buck. And Satan appeals to the flesh. Our flesh is enticed with the things of this world at times. Sometimes we're drawn away. In a verse in 1 Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So the Bible talks about Satan as an angel of light, but also as a roaring lion. We are to be on guard, to be careful with the temptations that are around us so that we're not drawn away and enticed. We need to be aware of the temptations that are around us. 1 John chapter 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So there are things out there that appeal to our flesh, right? That try to draw us away, to entice us, and to lure us in. Now back to that skunk story. The next day, Matt messaged me, and went out to check the trap that morning the door was shut and the skunk was in (laughs) the the trap was fairly small so this fortunately the skunk did not spray at all i wasn't sure if it would get stinky or not but in that case matt took it to another location and released it so the skunk did not die from the trap but sometimes that happens and we're going to look here so we're going to, as we go through this process of temptation, if we yield, there is death that often comes. For that deer that is often drawn away and enticed by the hunter, that deer it often results in death. And so it is with the person who yields to temptation. So again, thinking about the source, the enemy that we have, the, the evil desires of the flesh that we deal with, even though we surrender our lives to Christ our flesh is still very alive at times and we can be drawn away and Satan uses uh, the schemes to try to draw us away to entice us to do evil so we have an enemy that we need to be aware of the second point the slope of yielding to temptation now we are tempted with many things at times, some that some temptations that are sin, sinful and maybe sometimes temptations that are not necessarily wrong in and of itself. But we all do face temptation. And I have here the little picture there of a slope. I'd like to talk about the progression of temptation. When we yield to temptation, and what happens? Thinking about types of temptation... Kent was over at our house the one evening this week, and his dad was putting shingles on the house roof on the addition. His dad, it was in the evening, so his dad wasn't there at the time. and sent me. Kent made the comment, he, he's tempted to go up on the roof and put a shingle on upside down. You know, just his dad comes there the next day to finish the roofing, and what's going on with the shingle? Now, Kent didn't follow through with that temptation, but again, some temptations not really right or, or not really wrong of itself. But there are some temptations that we face that if we choose or if we yield, that are going to take us on a path towards destruction. I'd like to look at the progression here that James gives us. Verse 15 says, And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So looking at that progression I believe many of you could testify to this, that the more you can resist temptation, the longer you can resist temptation that you face, the easier it is the next time to say no when it comes. And likewise, the other way as well. If you yield to it once the second time, it's harder to restrain from it again. And soon, at least from my own experience, you can get caught in a trap where you feel like you're just on this slippery slope and there's. No way off. A number of years ago, we were at a cabin upstate, and it was in the wintertime. There was snow on the driveway, and there was a hill going down to the road, the the lane. And the children were sledding on the lane that day, so it was packed with snow. Some of us guys went to leave the cabin, and I, I was the driver in the truck, and got in the truck and started down. I soon realized that this lane is almost like a sheet of ice, and it got really quiet in the truck because there were five guys in the truck and the truck just started sliding down, down, down. <laughs> I don't think anyone said a word actually until I was trying to, I mean, it, it was a, a turn in the, the lane and it wasn't long until we went right into a tree. We didn't have that much speed, but the tree stopped us. And there was little, if anything, I could do at that point once we, once we started sliding down that lane. And it's a little bit how it is with sin at times. I'm not saying we can't get off because there is power. We can get off. We do not have to be in bondage to that sin for life, but it can be very difficult once we continue to yield our time and time again to the traps that Satan has, to the temptation that he brings. Satan often comes with lies, maybe making us feel like, it's not so bad or maybe other people do it too or everyone else is doing it so it must be okay and satan his desire for us is to continue to yield but james says or james tells us a progression he says if you continue it will bring death so a few things i noted down here lust conceived brings forth sin and in the end sin brings death thinking about this slope Paul said, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We cannot expect, if we continue to yield to sin, to experience uh, uh, to, to, to experience victory in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It will not work. Whatever we sow, that is what we are going to reap. If we sow to the flesh, if we yield to the flesh, we are going to... Reap that fruit. And sin does yield fruit. Lust, evil desire, is a bud thinking about the fruit that sin brings. And then sin is the blossom and fruit is death. So thinking about the progression or the slippery slope of yielding to temptation and what happens. The Bible clearly tells us that the wages of sin is death. We can't play with fire and expect not to get burnt. In the end, sin brings death. And how tragic it is for children of God to be wrapped up or tangled up in this cycle, the bondage of sin. Christ desires to set us free, but unfortunately many people are sliding on this slope and yielding to temptation. But praise God, there is a way out. We do not have to continue on this slope. Third point, solutions to resisting temptation. I wrote a few down here, and I'd specifically like to look at three actions that we can take, or three solutions to resisting temptation. The first one I wrote down is run from the temptation. We cannot invite temptation while we pray against it at the same time. So maybe just for some examples, if we're dealing with something that we are yielding to, sin that we are committing, temptation that we continue to yield to, and we say, God, please spare me from this, and yet we don't make any change in our life and we go back to the same thing. And maybe just for an example, if there's, a, if there's someone living in moral purity you pray and ask God to spare you to deliver from you this bondage of living in immorality and yet you continue to put yourself into dangers or you mingle with people that are living immorally or put yourself into temptations, well that's not really you can't really expect deliverance or expect freedom if you put your, go continue going back to that. Maybe another example, if you're on a diet and you choose to avoid all sweets for a time, and maybe you're at the grocery store shopping you walk past the bakery, and you're looking at the donuts and admire all the beautiful donuts, the jelly-filled donuts, and think, oh, how good they would taste when you're on a no-sugar diet. Well, you're putting yourself in a bad spot if you just continue to, to look at those donuts and think about how much they, or how good they would taste. We need to run, or we cannot continue to go back to those temptations or put ourselves in temptation if we want deliverance, I think the perfect example of this is Joseph. We're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but Joseph was a young man in a foreign country in a very difficult place. He was faced with the temptation that many, many young men would have yielded to when Potiphar's wife wanted him wanted him to commit uh, fornication or adultery. She was married. Joseph was not. To commit, to commit that sin, Joseph ran. He ran away. Many, many young men would have fell prey, but Joseph ran from the temptation. He saw it as a sin against God. And we at times, when we, are, when we face temptation, we need to run from the temptation. This is much easier said than done at some, sometimes, especially maybe you're all alone You're struggling with something, maybe going through a trial and the temptation comes. The temptation is real and the temptation is strong. Maybe it's on your phone, an image that pops up. Are you going to take it further? Are you going to go further with it? Or are you going to run from the temptation? Running from the temptation like that would be, you know, laying the phone down, doing something else. Maybe just going to the Lord in prayer, crying out to him for deliverance rather than continuing to yield to the temptation while asking God to to spare you from it. No, we need to run. We need to take action to run from the temptation. When I was studying for this message, at first I was thinking James didn't give us a whole lot of things to do to avoid the temptation. James talked about the progression, but I believe verses 17 and 18 actually do talk about if you read them in context I believe I don't know exactly what all James had in mind when he wrote these verses but I believe there are actions to take right out of there as well in helping us to resist temptation now look at that here shortly this is a beautiful verse that I think every one of us should remember when we're going through temptation now, I don't know if this is the word temptation here can also refer to trials, maybe so, but I think it can also apply to temptation, even temptation to do evil. It says, Paul wrote this in first Corinthians, he says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape That you may be able to bear it. Isn't that a beautiful verse to cling to through temptation? When we're going through a difficult time, are we looking for the escape or are we looking to see how close we can get to the temptation maybe without yielding? We should be taking the route, the escape route. God will make a way for us to escape. He's not going to tempt us more than what we can handle of our own. I believe so. But as we cling to God, as we draw near to him, God will give us the power through his spirit to avoid the temptation, to make the way of escape. Again, we cannot blame God for the temptations that we face. God does not tempt us with evil. And then another one, recognize the good gifts God has given you. Again, we're thinking about solutions to resisting temptation. So run from the temptation. And the second one, recognize the good gifts God has given you. Now, the reason I have good gifts, because Paul went on to say in verse 16, I, I can imagine this is his plea as he wrote this letter. He said, do not err or do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, thinking about the Father who created all things, who created the heavens, who created the sun, moon, and stars, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is unchanging. God is a righteous God. God is a just God. God is a giver of good things. And some of the good things may include so I'll go back a little bit. When we're facing temptation, sometimes we can think about all the things that we don't have. Sometimes the temptation that we're in we can be discontent and feel like we that we don't really have much or that others have it better. And we can take off the we can forget the blessings that we really have, the good gifts that God has given us, and we become discontent and tempted with many things, or even tempted to do evil. But maybe good things could include things like life be thankful for life, family, friends, food, work, rest. Count the good things that God has given us. And then Paul or uh, James also said perfect gifts. Maybe those can include things like eternal life, freedom from the grip of sin. We can be thankful for the Bible. We can be thankful for the word of truth. Dale talked about the word of truth in his devotional this morning. And verse 18 says, of his own will... He begat us with the word of truth. We should be thankful when we think about resisting temptation. We should recognize the good gifts that God has given us and be thankful for them. And I believe through that, that is a way to resist temptation, recognizing the good things that God has given us. And then the third one that I put up here is remember what Christ desires of you. Verse 18 also talks about firstfruits. It says, of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. If I would ask you, are you being a kind of firstfruits of his creatures? What would your response be? Like this is not a, a phrase that we would use, right? Or at least I wouldn't say it this way. But in my studies, what I found it says they were very familiar that so I'll go back to again. The audience that James wrote to was a very early church. James is possibly the earliest New Testament book written. So it was written to Jews, and the Jews would have been very well, very familiar with the Feast of First Fruits. On this day, the Feast of First Fruits, it was the third day after Passover, they would bring a sheaf of grain, they would bring it to the priest, and he would offer it as a sacrifice of gratitude as the first or the best part or the, the first harvest they would sacrifice that they would offer it to God and and James says that we are a first fruits of his creatures so to them maybe made or was easier to understand than for us today not how we would talk but they was they were familiar with what the feast of the first fruits were and how does that apply to us maybe several ways but maybe one would be as a new creation through Jesus Christ we should be focused on what God wants from our life thinking about again about resisting temptation so that we can fulfill God's calling on our life if we yield to sin and get on that slippery slope we're going to not we are not going to accomplish what God wants from us but if we resist temptation if we run from it recognize the good things God has given us and remember The freedom that we are called to remember where we were prior to coming to Christ. And that should motivate us to to resist temptation, to continue that fight, remembering what Christ has done and remember what Christ wants us to do. Christ wants us to grow, to continue on in our Christian lives, to give our best to God. And I believe another part I didn't put this one up there, but maybe a fourth one could be also remembering what Satan really wants from us or remembering what Satan will do with our life. So Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. So Satan can make things look so good. Our flesh sometimes thinks, well, if only I had this, or, you know, this yielding to this sin would feel good. We can so often forget what is really reality, and we can be so... In the moment, thinking about the, the short-term pleasure that it might bring, and forget, in the end, sin brings death. Satan is a liar, and Satan is a deceiver. So my encouragement, I'm sharing this as much to myself as to, as to you this morning, because, again, temptations are very real. I can't look into your life and tell, or know exactly the temptations that you're facing, but I believe every one of us, as we go out this week, we're going to face temptations our flesh sometimes wants to or the old man that sometimes rises within us wants us to yield to sin the devil uses that he want he lies he deceives he wants us to yield to the sin he makes it look good make even feel good in the moment but the end is death and we can resist temptation by running from it recognizing the good things we have that God has given us and then remember also what Christ desires of us. So, in conclusion, thinking again about these points, the source of temptation, again, we don't blame God for temptation, the temptation to sin, but temptation comes from within, and it's twofold, the enemy, the devil at work as well. And then the slope of yielding to temptation. And praise God, there is a path that we can take to get off that slope, the slippery slope. And I pray if anyone here finds themselves on that slippery slope here this morning, that you would take the escape route, that you would take the escape that God is giving you, and that you would cling to him, repent, and not give the, the devil any more room. And then thirdly, solutions to escaping temptation. To run, recognize and or recognize the good things God has given us, and remember what Christ desires of us. So James here had a heart for the early church that he was writing to, that they would resist temptation, that they would not yield, but that they would continue on being a kind of first fruits, doing what they can, or living a victorious Christian life. So my question for you this week, uh, before I get there, two things again, going back to the first part of the chapter and then the message this morning. So when we face trials, we are to rejoice in them. When faced with temptations, we are to resist them. So rejoicing in the trials is the previous message and then going on to resist temptations in this message. So my question is... Will you resist temptation so that you can fulfill God's calling on your life? I would like you to have this question running through your mind this week. When, tation, when temptations come, what will you do? What will I do? Will we be faithful and resist temptation and to press on in the calling that God has for you? So God bless you as you press on in Your Christian journey, the battle is very real. The war is raging, but God will give you the power that you need to or give you the escape for you to take when the temptations come. May we be victorious as we go on in our Christian life. Let's pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I thank you for your word of truth that we can be guided by, that we can read, that we can understand. And I thank you for the book of James, how it teaches us to yield to you, to follow you. And how James clearly warns us of the slope of that temptation brings when we yield to it. May each one of us be reminded that we cannot escape the results of sin, if we continue to yield, and that the wages of sin is death. But may we all together press on and to resist the enemy when he tempts us, that we can be pure and holy, ready for your return. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.